Welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, babe, what's going on? Oh, I got to be honest, Shane, your <laughs> can popping is not in season mm. form, but thankfully we're in training camp mode over here. You know what? Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, I, I've been re- really struggling with it. And I'm going to be honest with you, Mike. It's a lot to do with the podcast setup here. Usually I open up any beverage with my right hand. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing everything now. Like it sits over here on this table with my left hand. So it's taking a little – a little getting used to, you know. I'm not, I'm not one of those uh, like those swing like when you go uh, bat. What do they call it? What do Am- they call it when you go? ambidextrous? Well, yeah, <laughs> that's the big word for it. <laughs> I am not that guy. So give me a few a uh, few weeks, Mike. I'll be ready to roll. <laughs> the can's getting open. It's just not pretty. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you're here, Shane, because we got uh, a loaded show here. You've been getting on me here to mm-hmm. to share some recruiting information, so I kind of did a roundup of uh, you know what we missed while I was drinking in Kentucky. Qu- quite a bit of uh, news on the recruiting trail we're going to get to. Oh, Billy Napier and the Florida Gators, they're opening camp. Mm-hmm. They, they had some media availability, and, and we've been waiting. We've been holding off Mississippi State <laughs> fall camp preview, the one Shane's been dying to talk about. So how's that sound, brother? No, it sounds great. And, yeah, listeners know we're not huge on recruiting just because we like – I mean, you get a kid that commits and then he decommits. It's like, why did we – we waste 15 minutes talking about it. So, <laughs> we do a big show around National Signing Days. Uh, so, you know, you can always tune into those. But, but man, there's just so many – I keep getting tagged in all these Florida hits down there. And I'm like, what is going down in Gainesville? <laughs> They're not supposed to recruit. What's going on here? <laughs> well, we'll get to that, Shane. But like you said, uh, you know, this is not necessarily a recruiting show, but quarterbacks, we all know how important they are. So yeah. we got some recruit recruiting quarterback updates here and got to start, Shane, in College Station where can't believe I saw this when it happened, but, you know, I totally forgot about it when we came back from vacation. But five-star quarterback, Shane, has been c- committed to Southern Cal – and Lincoln mm-hmm. Riley since last year, Malachi Nelson, who ESPN just rated him better than Arch Manning for what that's worth, <laughs> visited College Station. And over the weekend, the Aggies had a big recruiting weekend. We'll get to their commits they got over that weekend. But, uh, you know, pretty fascinating, Shane, that a guy that's been committed to, to Lincoln Riley and Southern Cal's and has not been taking any visits for literally seven months, shows up mm-hmm. in College Station. And I was not really meaning to cause a firestorm here, Shane, but I said, <laughs> wouldn't it be funny if after all this Arch Manning hype, the Aggies <laughs> land them a quarterback that's rated higher than old Arch. And let me tell you, the, the Texas Twitter got a hold of that one, and they are not happy with us. <laughs> Well, listen up, Longhorn fans. I'm going to tell you right now, I have been bashing Texas since I was born, and I'm going to continue <laughs> to do that until you officially make it over here to the SEC, brother. That's, I always joke about Arch Manning. Yes, he is not currently with an SEC team, but when he does make – when they do finally come into the fold, 
Then I'll tell you how good that quarterback is. Until then, I'm going to say, Texas A&M got him a good one. <laughs> but how funny hey, would it be, though, you know, if Jimbo and the Aggies, they've been searching for a quarterback his cycle. I mean, how wild would it be? I have no idea if Malachi Nelson is, is even considered flipping his commitment or anything like that. But just getting him on campus, I think that's yeah. a huge deal. And and like I said, with, with the quarterback dominoes, there's – to my knowledge, I don't think there's another five-star quarterback that's that's left uncommitted in this class. But right. if you land someone that, uh, again, ESPN's got as the number one overall prospect in the country, I think 247 and, and Rivals has Malachi Nelson as, like, number two. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, this would be a huge cue for uh, Jimbo and company. Simple call for Jimbo, brother. All he had to say is, do you want to play in Minnesota? Do you want to play in Wisconsin and Michigan? Or do you want to come on down here to Texas? I tell you what, this was an easy one, easy call. And I, I'm glad yeah, this is this is the SEC, brother. And, and these two quarterbacks will be compared every year. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. going to be Arch. It's going to be Malachi. We don't know exactly how it's going to play out. It may be somebody else that's not even on this roster, but for the time being, you know, it's 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 a it's a competition always. <laughs> and if you look at the feeds, brother, A&M's happy with what they got. Texas is happy with what they got and they think the other one sucks. So, yeah. we'll see how that plays out. Well, I also wanted to mention this Shane where I did cause another little firestorm and I meant to do it this time around because uh, old Brady Quinn, former Notre Dame quarterback, who mm-hmm. now he works, I think it was for Fox Sports he works for. I think he's just upset that he doesn't get to cover uh, a great conference like the SEC. But <laughs> he was on some show or something, and, and basically, you know, A&M, they've had a slow start to the recruiting cycle. Mm-hmm. And I just say slow because, hell, they just signed what people are saying is the best recruiting class of all time. <laughs> this current one, not up to that standard. And he basically said, well, Nick Saban called him out, and I think it's hurting Texas A&M. You know, he's, he's proven that uh, they're out here paying these recruits, and now they're not able to do it as easily. That's what Brady Quinn said about a week ago. Oof. And then yeah. after, after that, Texas A&M had this big weekend, Shane. They landed a commitment from five-star Anthony Hill, <laughs> number one linebacker in the country, four-star Chase Benoit, the number nine offensive tackle mm-hmm. in the country, Four-star Dalton Brooks, the number five athlete in the country, and a three-star lineman that uh, Samu, not even going to try his last name out here. He's one of these uh, flying Hawaiians, but uh, that has just elevated A&M's class. And it's just hilarious that it comes right after Brady Quinn basically called him out for cheating and saying they can't cheat anymore. Yeah. Calm down, Mr. Quinn. The check was in the mail. All right. It just had, didn't quite clear yet. So that's crazy talk. Texas A&M is on a path. What they're doing is working and they're going to continue to do it uh, until somebody like the NCAA changes it. And I just don't see it happening anytime soon. So yeah. get all you want, man. If you want to make some money, Aggies, that's, that's where you're going. College station. Yeah. Now, Sticking on the theme of quarterback recruiting, Shane, let's kick it on down to Baton Rouge where Brian Kelly, that's another one. He's been searching for a quarterback to land in this recruiting class. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't get Arch Manning, who's from Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alabama's quarterback commit, Eli Holstein, also from Louisiana, a guy that Brian Kelly was in on. But, you know, it's kind of hard to 
to call out Brian Kelly and the LSU Tigers because they've only hell they haven't been there a year. <laughs> and the yeah. way this recruiting works is, I mean, you got to get on these guys when they're sophomores. You know what I mean? I mean, it's all about these relationships and having them formed. And so LSU was not expected to get any of those guys. Right. But they're still missing a quarterback, and it looks like they may be closing in on a good one. Shane, four-star Ricky Collins was committed to Purdue, just recently decommitted, and you got every damn quarterback, or excuse me, every prospect committed to LSU tweeting out, Ricky reconsidered. <laughs> so that gives you an indication of old where Ricky Collins is headed. He's a Baton Rouge native. He's an elite 11 finals quarterback. So this mm-hmm. is this is not some garbage guy that they're just taking to take. It looks like LSU is uh, circling in on, on landing their quarterback in this class. Absolutely. And that's what you want. I mean, that's really – you love – I love recruiting classes, don't get me wrong. But, man, you get that quarterback, you can go ahead and start game planning around that style of quarterback, and that's what you want. So, it's going to take a little bit. I'm not worried about LSU recruiting at all, Mike. Uh, we see this every time that there's a coach change. It, it, it's a little slow at first, but, man, that is a hotbed, and they will have no problem finding quarterbacks. Yeah, and speaking of not having any problems recruiting here, Shay, let's kick it on down to Gainesville. <laughs> my God, it was about a month ago. We, The crazies were ready to fire Billy Napier. This guy's in over his head. Miami's mm-hmm. stealing from us left and right with this NIL. They got this billionaire paying all these players. Well, all of a sudden, Shane, <laughs> them Gators are knocking on the door of a top 10 recruiting class, number 12 right now in the country, the Florida Gators class, and that's because they landed – Four-star receiver, Adon Mazel. That's This is the mm-hmm. guy that popped up with them alligators. That is commitment <laughs> ceremony. I, that's, that was a new one for me. Four-star receiver, Andy Jean. Four-star, Jakeem Jackson, the number 19 corner in the country. Four-star, Jordan Castile, the number 13 safety. And you throw in all these gems, Shane, and that's why the Gators got a ton of momentum on the recruiting trail. Oh, yeah. And it could not be a better time with uh, training camp opening this week in Gainesville. This is the momentum. This is what Florida fans wanted to see at the Billy yeah. Napier era where half the class is blue-chip prospects, something that, that Dan Mullen could never get done down there. Exactly. I mean, this is this has been a touchy subject for a long time down here in Gainesville. And it's, it's just a, I don't know, a, a breath of fresh air for a lot of those Gator fans down there. I have never, I have never seen so much excitement online for recruiting than I'm seeing from Florida and rightfully so brother, because they're landing them left and right. You know, it's funny cause Napier comes out and he talks about these NIL things and all of a sudden, you know, maybe that wasn't for us. Maybe that was for some of them boosters down there because they're starting to land those recruits that they need. Yeah. And well, speaking of Billy Napier, like I said, Shane, they opened camp here, uh, at least their media availability. First one here on Tuesday, and, you know, the thing we keep hearing about Billy Napier, Shane, and it's, it's kind of hard to, to lay it out there, uh, but the perfect example was laid out by Billy Napier. The guy is detail-oriented. Mm-hmm. And how detailed-oriented is he? He's, no one on the team's allowed to have anything but white socks <laughs> under Billy Napier. So uh, I know that sounds kind of hokey and it's kind of silly, But uh, let's kick it over to Billy Napier real quick, just talking about all the attention to details, all the little things mattering, even as minute as what color socks you got on. Because if you're not paying attention to those little things, uh, 
you know, around the program. You're going to miss him on game day. So let's kick it over to Billy Napier. Season, um, even with guys and, and how they wear their socks a certain way, um, what are some of those little things that, that you've seen them pick up on and how does that carry over into camp and, and make a difference on the field? You know, it all matters. Um, you know, I think the key is that you provide structure and routine, that you define expectations for the players. Uh, and there are, there are some detailed things that we ask them to do. Um, and, and they do matter, but the, the most important part of those little detailed things that we ask them to do is they have to make a decision to do it, if that makes sense. So it's, it's an opportunity to say yes to the, the expectations and the standards and for everyone to buy into the team concept, right? Individual players um, don't make a great team. You know, I mean, and I think that we have a lot of really good individual players on our roster, right? But if you're going to have an exceptional team, then there's got to be a certain level of detail and discipline on the on the roster, right? So in a buy-in. So, you know, one of the great things about this game, you know, we could take Jervon Dexter and we could put him at X receiver, right? We could take Justin Shorter and put him at right tackle. Crawshaw could play quarterback, you know. Anthony could play outside linebacker. Ventrell can't play running back, right? I mean, this game requires um, different skill sets, right? And, you know, I just think that puzzle, a reality that, hey, look, I'm, I'm nothing without the others, right? I mean, coming to grips with that fact. So um, gray area is the enemy, you know, that's what I would tell you, right? We want to have a um, very structured routine process for our players. I think players develop confidence from that. You know, I think routine and great preparation that breeds confidence, right? When I know what to expect, I execute my plan. I think we've got an organization of people that is providing information and wisdom in terms of how to improve. Um, you know, any person um, that's had success in life, discipline's a direct part of that, right? And I think these things carry over to life after football too. You know, I think that's one of the great things about the game of football is these things apply in a lot of different settings. So it'll be a big part of what we do and certainly a big part of our success. Now again, Shane. Wake up. <laughs> Wake up. You listen to this in the morning. Get another cup of coffee there. Florida's he, he's been, he wasted all his air coaching and recruiting, okay? So give him give him a second. Florida's not gonna win or lose any football games by their damn socks. Like that no. that that's not the point I'm trying to make. The no. point that is being made is He's worked for Nick Saban. Yeah. He's worked. Hell, we just saw Georgia in their national championship. I'm reading the book on, on Kirby Smart right now, taking over that Georgia program. These guys are so involved in every aspect of the program, and that's why Mark Richt got run off at Georgia. It's why Dan Mullen got run off at Florida. It's why, mm -hmm. you know, Alabama couldn't get it right till they got to Nick Saban. You need a guy that is detail-oriented, that – is going to be involved in every aspect of the program, even as minute as his damn sock colors. And yeah. I I just really think that, uh, you know, Florida is a very talented team. We all know that. But the discipline, the lack of attention to – hell, we got players 
throwing damn shoes on the field. You know what I mean? Like right. we are missing accountability in this program. And if Billy Napier can bring that in with the talent they have to work with, this is a big reason why I'm so high on what the Florida Gators can do this fall. Yeah. And, and I took away from that too, just total team buy-in this, this, this has got to be a group effort. This can't be a bunch of individuals going out here trying. And, and it's hard, you know, if, if you think about years past because you've been put on that pedestal as the best athlete in high school, you know, bringing these kids, being a new coach, a coach that you didn't recruit you, you know. It, 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 you got to be very, very solid right out of the gate and, and, and kind of create that atmosphere down there that this is a team. And you have to do it. They're going to have some depth issues, and the only way that you can overcome that is not making mistakes. And I think that was something I got when uh, Billy was talking here. Yeah, it, you know, another thing that I think he really picked up from old Nick down there in Tuscaloosa, and, and again – Something Kirby does at George, I hate to keep harping on that, but I'm, I'm reading the books right now and it's resonating with me. They use the media to get messages to their teams, yeah. to their players. That's what they use it for. And I think Billy Napier has picked that up as well. He's asked about Anthony Richardson, all the hype that's uh, there with Florida's quarterback, who one outlet's got as the fourth pick in the upcoming NFL draft. <laughs> Anthony Richardson started one freaking game, you know? So yeah. that is an issue, and you hit on it. The biggest question with the Gators, depth. Where is the depth with this first Florida team under Billy Napier? That is something that Billy Napier uh, himself is kind of questioning going into camp. Um, Anthony, speaking of one player, you spoke at media day about a lot of talk about Anthony Richardson. And I mean, you see it all the time. I, mean, I saw he was number four pick in next year's draft. I mean, he started one game. H how do you go about tempering expectations? How grounded have you seen him with all this buzz going around him? You know, that's one of the things I'm learning about University of Florida, right? We probably. Uh, got more media coverage. It's like being an NFL team in the Northeast, you know, if that makes sense. But, uh, you know, I think part of the job of a player like Anthony, and really any player um, that's had success, okay, or any player that maybe has made a few mistakes, right, or maybe didn't perform the way they wanted to, uh, is really not allowing some of this noise to affect your process, right, in terms of how you prepare your character, your values, your expectations, your standards, right? I think when your standards and expectations are uh, much higher than anyone on the, out, on the outside could have for you, I think that gives you an opportunity, right? So uh, I think Anthony is uh, very aware. It's one of the things I really like about him. I think he has good awareness, good self-awareness that he is an inexperienced player, that he has potential, that, but also that he can improve. There's lots to learn. Uh, getting comfortable with his role as a leader, um, the importance and value of his example, right, to the other players. Um, I think quarterback in, in particular, there's there's a certain level of responsibility that comes with that. So uh, Anthony's focused on the work, um, and there's certainly a lot of work to do, right? Uh, improving as a leader, growing and maturing as a person, very much a young person. Um, you know, increasing his football intelligence, developing his skill. Uh, there's just so much more out there for the young man, right? I mean, Anthony has lots of work to do here. So 
Um, I think he, he is uh, fully aware of that, understands that, comprehends those things and has worked extremely hard. So um, I think his focus is on the work and that's exactly where it should be. Uh, just general assessment of the depth of this team and how many players you think are ready to step in if the starter gets down and compete at an SEC level? I mean, because uh, you've talked about roster building. How close are you to getting to that level to where you lose a guy and you can plug a guy in? Yeah, I mean, I think all those things are very much to be determined. You know, I mean, I think we've got a core group of veterans. If you really evaluate the experience, how many plays have the players played in games, right? I mean, that's – um, I think we've got a, a core group that has some experience, and then I think there's a big chunk of the roster that has minimal experience. Uh, maybe that's just on special teams. Uh, maybe there's little experience at all. Then you got a group of rookies that just showed up, right? I mean, I think we kind of have three categories of players. Um, and I think that's what we're getting ready to find out, right? That's what we're getting ready to try to coach and develop is um, and try to get players in position. But, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily know that there's an answer to that. I think it's to be determined. That's what best of the – I mean, you think some of the best coaches, brother, it's, it's going through that media and not only getting your team right, but just like I said earlier, it's – it's the fans, it's the boosters, it's you're creating the narrative all the way around. And if you can control that, you know, that's a dangerous weapon. So I, I really like the, you know, kind of the mind game he's been playing down there. And I think it's really starting to starting to pay out already. Yeah. And one other little nugget that he shared, I, I was curious to get your thoughts on this, Shane. I, but he says twice a year what they do, what they're going to do down there in Gainesville, completely shuffle the locker room. So, hmm. The point being, they want you to be next to someone you don't know much about. And yeah. he's also demanding that every single player on that team knows the hometown of every other player on that team. Because if you if you know the guy next year, you'll fight harder. You know, all those little – again, these are little details that you may overlook, but it's going to build team chemistry. It's going to build team bonds, and it eliminates clicks. And, you know, maybe maybe he got there and he saw something that he that needs to be corrected. Yeah. And these are his ways to do it. Yeah, that's what it feels like to me, man. Maybe a little bit of a locker room divided situation and, you know, creative ways to to get these guys to 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 come together a little bit. So I like that. Uh, it's not you know, it's not quite Chad Moore's sweatshirt, but it's getting close. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, uh, I, 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 I get what he's doing, but maybe maybe just for the first year, you know, after that, you know, I don't want to move my locker anymore. <laughs> well, speaking of someone that does things a little differently, Shay, you ready to talk some Mississippi State Mike Leach football? Hell yeah. Start the hype train, baby. <laughs> All right, how about this one for you, Shane? I mean, I, we know disappointing end of the season, lost the Egg Bowl, lost the bowl game, went 7-6 and six overall, but we finished fourth in the SEC West. And, hell, if we had a kicker, we're, this is probably a nine-win football team. Mm -hmm. We know the debacle there against Memphis. That was also, you know, special teams got to get corrected here in Starkville. But how about this stat, Shane? Three times under Mike Leach, he's mm -hmm. had a third-year starting quarterback, and every single time they've won at least nine games that season. So, Ooh. you know, it's factor, it's lining up well 
for Mississippi State to have a big year. Also, on that same stat, third-year quarterbacks. Each time he's had that, his quarterback has thrown for over 5,000 yards. So, oh my goodness. I mean, this this Will Rogers hype, we are firmly on board. In it. And it wouldn't be crazy to sit here and say that their quarterback's going to throw for 5,000 yards, which would shatter yeah. the, with the record he's already got down there at Mississippi State. You know what? And that's what you see a lot with, with the Pirates' offense. When he's able to – not demand as much from a quarterback, not have to make the decision as much. Mm-hmm. He can kind of loosen up a little bit, and you just see the game flow better. The 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 chemistry, the 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 quickness at the at the line of scrimmage when Rogers is now going to be able to call his own numbers. I think that's very important because now you've got a head coach on the football field making decisions in real time. Yeah, and how about this? We we love to hit on this returning production. This is the wildest one we've done. It, it's unfortunately mm-hmm. we we waited this long to get to it. <laughs> Passing yards returning, Shane, one hundred percent for Mississippi on, State. Man. Now, that's impressive enough because it's the Mike Leach system. But how about rushing yards, Shane? Yeah, one hundred percent returning. <laughs> <laughs> it's like my goodness. <laughs> Receiving yards, 69%, which is still a lot higher than others. And they're bringing back seven receivers, Shane, that caught at least 29 passes. So a Mm -hmm. ton of experience there on the receiving core. 63% of the offensive line starts are returning with, uh, you know, having to replace two offensive tackles. That's kind of the biggest question mark on the offensive side, maybe for the entire team heading into camp. But how about this? On the defensive side, chain, 86% of the tackles return. Every Everyone on the two deep on the defensive line, and they're all 21 or 22 years old. I mean, this is an incredibly experienced team across the board. 78% of the sacks return, and 82% of the interceptions return. If that don't get you fired up, I don't know what does. <laughs> That's the, that's the thing. This is why I'm so high on Mississippi State. Just not only what they're bringing back, but who they're bringing back. It's just about every crucial position that you need in college football right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you see this year after year, especially like a team, and, I, and I, I probably shouldn't bring this up when we're trying to highlight Mississippi State, but look at Ole Miss. With all of these guys that have transferred in, there's going to be growing pains down there. There is going to be trial and error down there. There is going to be mistakes being made down there. I don't think we get that with a team like Mississippi State. I think out of, you know, maybe a handful, you know, of, of programs that are that are coming back this year, we'll be ready game one. That's why I love Mississippi State so much is just because I don't think we're going to have the hiccups that we did the start of last season. Right. Now – where they did have hiccups, though, Shane, was defending uh, explosive passing plays. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that Mississippi State attacked that relentlessly in the transfer portal. Listen to all these defensive backs they're bringing in, Shane. Marcus Banks from Alabama, who had he stayed at Alabama, he would have started in the national championship game. He had eight appearances last year, six tackles and an interception. They're bringing in Jackie Matthews from West Virginia. He was a former junior college All-American in the state of Mississippi. 44 tackles and a pick last season. Jordan Morant from Texas. He was the number Mm. 10 safety prospect in the country just two years ago. He played five games last year. Hunter Washington from Florida State. 
a former four-star. He was the number 19 corner just last year. Uh, and then at receivers, you know, we're pretty covered at receiver, but they added yeah. Justin Robinson from Georgia, former four-star. Jordan Mosley from Northwestern, who was headed to Tennessee. Shane under old Pruitt. Uh-oh. <laughs> now, here's the biggest one of all. We, we usually overlook this completely. Kicker. Two, two kickers, Shane. Oh, my goodness. Massimo Biscardi from Coastal Carolina, 46 yep. of 57 field goals in his college career. So, a very, very reliable guy, as well as a guy from North Colorado by the name of Ben Raven, 13 mm-hmm. of 21 in his last season. He's also punts. And, hell, they're bringing in a punter, too, Shane. George <laughs> Jorpalopoulos from UMass started four years at UMass. So, I mean, we're fixing the special teams issues, needless to say, here in Starkville. Yeah, it, it, I I love because a lot of times when you look at these these uh, uh, transfers, it's it's like you go into the grocery store and you're hungry. You know, you don't <laughs> you don't really have a game plan. You're just trying to get whatever just catches your eye right. and, and try to make it work when you get there at the house. You know, Mississippi State was different. They're making a meal. And they've got the recipe, and they know the exact ingredients they need, and that's exactly what what Leach and company did. They went out and they fixed what the problem was. They they even double secured the kicker. You know, <laughs> it's like this this is the kind of moves I want to see in a transfer portal. It's just making your program better, immediate impact. So I I love the moves. Yeah, and, I, and when we when you go position by position breakdown, Shane. I mean, we are talking. I think it's probably the most underrated quarterback room in the country. It's got to be the best position group at Mississippi State with Mm -hmm. Will Rogers, who's a legitimate Heisman Trophy contender. And we talked about this at Media Days with our guest, Stefan, who covers the team. Hell, it's going to be tough to keep Sawyer Roberts in the backup off the field. And and that's that's got nothing to do with Will Rogers not being outstanding. But for all indications, Robertson is basically ready to take this thing over. So – God forbid something happens injury-wise. We we got confidence in our backup, and we're confident in the future of that position. So I, I think Mississippi State, throw in Daniel Greek, the the uh, redshirt freshman. We have got three quarterbacks here that uh, probably rival any any group Mike Leach has ever worked with. Yeah, and 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 with all that returning, you're creating competitive depth, Mike. Not not just at the quarter quarterback position, but if a man goes down, you've got somebody that can come in. You know, you know, they're not they don't have to, but you'll notice a lot of teams in the SEC, they had to fill holes and they're going to have some young players in there and this is like kind of what I was saying at the start, you know. It's just you're not going to see that with Mississippi State and I, I think that's just a, an, again another added benefit for the Bulldogs. Yeah. And then these running backs, Shane, I mean, we're bringing back both of our go-to guys here, Dylan Johnson, Jaquavian mm-hmm. Marks. And what they really are in this system, Shane, they're like yeah, gonna... <laughs> short yardage receivers. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, how about this? Jaquavian Marks had 86 catches last season, <laughs> which is more than any running back in the country had. And, and Dylan Johnson was not far off with 63. So, uh, I mean, these guys get it done anyway, and, and they just make this – this offense so versatile <laughs> they really do yeah I, I you hate to almost call them running backs you know it's like <laughs> auxiliary players that's what they should be <laughs> h-backs <laughs> <laughs> and then a receiver shane Jaden wally who uh, starred as a freshman in 2020 it's time for him to step up 
mm-hmm. got Austin Williams, who was down there at SEC Media Days. He's the go-to man on third down. He's one of the surest-handed guys in the country. Uh, Lulu Griffin, the returner, one of the best returners in the country. Mm-hmm. Got to get him more involved uh, on the offensive side of the ball. But he, he obviously has huge, big play potential. Ra-Ra Thomas, the, I, I believe he's a redshirt freshman, Shane. How about this stat? He only caught 18 passes last year. Yeah. But he had five touchdowns. I mean, this this guy's a big play waiting to happen. Rufus Harvey is a guy, a local kid they've been touting for years. It's time for him to step up. Caleb Ducking, Antonio Harmon, and then Jameer Calvin. I mean, my God, Shane, we go nine deep here at, at receiver, and, and you need that in this offense. Yeah, absolutely. Any given Saturday, too. Good luck trying to figure out who gets the touchdowns in the game. Right. At the offensive line again. Cameron Jones is back. LaQuinton Sharp, who may be the best center in the SEC. Combine those with Albert Reese, Nick Jones, and Cole Smith. We got some players to work with here. But the one to keep your eye on, Shane, of course, they lost Charles Cross, uh, number Mm -hmm. nine overall pick to the Seattle Seahawks. They're bringing in from the junior college ranks, Percy Lewis, six foot eight, number Mm -hmm. five overall junior college prospect. If he's ready to play, which you just never know with these junior college kids. But if he's ready, I think Mississippi State may not miss a beat, as crazy as that is to say. God, I try to think about how successful I would have been if I was six foot eight, Mike, you know? <laughs> I mean, you know what? I probably wouldn't look so heavy if you just stretched me out a little bit. But yeah, six eight. Golly, that is mad. Have you ever been? I mean,. It's hard to imagine until you see a six eight athlete, especially an offensive lineman. Right. Those those guys are literally like look at your door frame. That is <laughs> that is this man. So a lot of space taken up. We just hope he hits the ground running, you know, because he's got some big shoes to fill. Yeah, no doubt. And like I said, the D line man, we got everyone back on the two deep back <laughs> from Mississippi State. Randy Charlton, Cameron Young, Nathan Pickering. DeMonte Russell, and maybe the biggest impact guy is is someone that missed last season due to injury, Jordan Davis, Shane. He was he was starring yeah. in camp last year, the former Alabama commit. Uh, you know, they if they're gonna look for extra pressure up front, it's gonna come from Jordan Davis, who uh, you know, he's been in college a long time, but he's coming back for a money year. This has the potential to be uh, a really, really outstanding defensive line for Mississippi State. And one they're going to need, brother. Uh, I, I think at time, I, I, some of the games we lost last year, I think a lot of it had to do with that defensive front, not getting the pressure, not forcing a three and out. There's, you know, after a while, you stay on that field. That's one thing about the Pirates offense. You you, you ain't got much time. So right. uh, I, that's that's definitely a position group that needs to step up. And then we're loaded at experience at linebacker, too. Shane Tyrese Wheat, mm-hmm. Jet Johnson, Nathan Watson, who was down there at SEC Media Days, Ty Cooper, Nick Mitchell, Deshaun Page. All mm. three guys led the team in tackles back this season. They, they did lose Aaron Boulay, who, who transferred out, but I think they've upgraded because uh, you, you just were not going to keep Jet Johnson off the field this year. Mississippi State linebackers are key to this defense. Mm. And, uh, you know, this experience is going to be huge. How disappointed would my mom be if she named me Jet? You know? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I should have called him Shane, you know? (laughs) And then the defensive backs, Emmanuel Forbes, Shane, he's got more interceptions than any 
active SEC player. He's also mm-hmm. got more pick six than any active SEC player. He's going to be our lockdown corner. The Camarion Richardson, Jalen Green, Duncan, uh, Colin Duncan, and Sean Preston to go with the transfers. We already mentioned Marcus Banks, Hunter Washington, Jackie Matthews, to Carlos yeah. Washington, and Jordan Morant. So, Again, we've got a mix of, of talent and experience on the back end that we just didn't have last year at Mississippi right. State. And that's despite the fact they lost a, a guy that was a third-round NFL draft pick. <laughs> I know, man. Yeah, com- again, competitive depth on both sides of the ball. And, and that's what you got to have, especially on that de- defense, because they do spend a lot of time on the field. Mm-hmm. But, all right, Shane, enough talking about all that, because I know yeah. what you wait for on all these previews. Undefeated. (laughs) The optimistic breakdown of the upcoming season. And, hell, we already know week one, but we still got to mention it. Memphis coming to town. Cousin Shane's lock of the week. Revenge game is very real. Uh, Mississippi State's favored by, like, 20 points. So, yeah, yeah, easy 1-0, right? Easy one and oh, you know, this definitely won't come down to a punt. Yeah. <laughs> this this is gonna this this game will be over by halftime. And I'm not just being optimistic, Mike. I really do think there's a little bit of grudge in the locker room thinking about this one. This game got stolen from them last year. Right. And I don't think this company lets it happen again. Now week two, we go to Arizona, who's one of the worst teams in the Pac-12. Yeah. Uh, but still, I mean, anytime you go that far, it's a little bit of an issue. They're they're kicking this thing off eleven o'clock Eastern. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be a midnight right. type game. So <laughs> crazy <laughs> things happen on the West Coast that late night. But still, we we got massive confidence that Mississippi State's gonna win this game, right? Oh yeah, enjoy that dry heat while you're out there, because this thing's getting. <laughs> they're gonna smoke them, brother. It, this Arizona, this ain't. This ain't you know ten years ago Arizona. This this team is 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 not that good, brother. No. So I, I think Mississippi State easily starts two and zero, and and I think we're going to see a lot of backups in both of these games, which is mm-hmm. again very important, especially at that quarterback. Now, how about uh, now? This is the big crossroads game here, Shane. This will determine a lot for Mississippi State and their opponent going on the road week three at LSU. Yeah, it's so hard to know what to make of this uh, LSU Brian Kelly team till we see him in action. But uh, what's your feelings on this one? My feelings, and again, this is optimistic. So if you've not listened to the other shows, be sure to check them out. Uh, Mike's got them on our Twitter page. Uh, it's 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 submitted in at the top there, so you can go right down and check them all out. Optimistically, Mike, I think Mississippi State comes out guns a blazing. Uh, in week one. So by week three, they have worked out any mistakes and kinks that they have in their system. Mm-hmm. I think LSU still struggling to find their identity at this point. So I, I, I'm not saying that they are far and away better or more talented than LSU. I just think they are just better prepared at this point. Mm-hmm. So give me, uh, I don't know, I, I guess you wouldn't consider it an upset because I really think Mississippi State is already hovering around that top 25 spot, so they'll definitely be in it by this time. So, uh, yeah, victory, 3-0. and Yeah, and maybe, you know, if Mississippi State was struggling with experience like they were the first two years under Mike Leach, mm-hmm. two out of three on the road right out the gate would be an issue. Right. But with everything they've got, all the experience, all the talent – it's kind of hard to disagree with what you just said. I mean, I, again, it ain't easy. It's never easy to go into Baton Rouge and win a football game. 
Yeah. But I got confidence that Mississippi State can get it done. So I'm right there with you. Three and O seems very reasonable. Absolutely. And four and O is looking just as likely, Shay, because we got <laughs> Bowling Green coming to town. Yes. Oh, the ugliest logo uniform. <laughs> they should just start over. You know what I'm saying? They're not even green. It's the nastiest brown you've ever seen. I don't understand the pro- thought process here, but yeah, this is a another one. Bowling Green. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this is an easy victory. Mississippi State's four and O, and they are going, brother. I think by this point. Um, optimistically, we've got a quarterback that's hovering around 1,200 yards passing. You know what I'm saying? At least. Uh, He may have more. Absolutely. (laughs) Or did you mean for just this one game? Maybe just this game. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it depends. If it this this feels like a nooner, you know, that's the only downside is it feels like it's going to be an early game. Probably not a lot of eyes on it, but this will be a tune-up game. You know, we're we're working on Rogers Heisman, uh, his list here, and and he'll have a plenty plenty of opportunities to to spike those numbers here against Bowling Green. Now here's where it gets serious, Shane. One of the toughest yeah. months of the any team in the country, Texas A&M comes to Davis-Wade Stadium, going to need those cowbells to step up. Of course, they beat Texas A&M on the road, so certainly not sitting here saying they can't get it done, but uh, with revenge on A&M's mind, uh, this is going to be one hell of a fight. And uh, to me, it's a complete coin toss. This one, optimistically, Mike, is a tough game for mm-hmm. me to, to – because one thing that I like about it, it's a sneaky trap game for the Aggies. It's nestled right in there between Arkansas and Alabama. So, I, I, if I'm being optimistic, brother, mm-hmm. how can I say Mississippi State doesn't have a shot to beat Texas A&M? You know right. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm not quite saying it's a 50-50 game, but it's a game that – can be overlooked Uh, this is one of those games that you look at Jimbo's resumes and you say oh shit yeah Mississippi State got him that year you know so but it is so tough because I've got the Aggies winning it all brother so (laughs) as, as, as much as I love Mississippi State and I think they're underdogs I just can't pencil in a victory here without the stars being lined so even optimistically I'm going to say it's a loss but I, I I think it's a close game, brother. I think yeah. it comes down to the fourth quarter. Well, I'm going to pull a Cousin Shane and say they'll get one of the next two here. <laughs> so it's either A&M or the following week is another tricky one because Arkansas comes to town. Arkansas has beaten Mississippi State both years under Mike Leach. So, you know, you know some serious revenge factor for Mississippi State. Hell, had they had a kicker, they would have beat Arkansas last year. So, uh, you know, I think they get one of these two, but uh, getting both of them would be incredibly, incredibly tough because because uh, we're basically flip-flopped on, on A&M and Arkansas. I'm, I'm riding the, right. the Hogs train. You're riding the Aggies train. And, yeah. uh, you know, I think Mississippi State certainly can get one of these games, but I think after these two, they, they do have one loss. And, and I think they have a better shot here with Arkansas, and a lot of that has to do with scheduling uh, because, again, you got to remember, Arkansas is going through a gauntlet, man. They got mm-hmm. Texas A&M, then they got Alabama. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a real chance that they lose both of those games and they're spiraling. Right. And you think about, you know, Arkansas in years past. They, they have a they have a – tough time bouncing back yeah. from those those little slicks so right. um 
I'm going to be optimistic here for for Mississippi State and and assume Arkansas dropped those two games. And if that's the case, I like Mississippi State's odds to uh, to get a victory here. So yeah, give me a victory over the Hogs. Yeah, and for any uh, Razorbacks yelling, I mean, you, you make a great point that you know last year when they there was that so much hype of that Georgia game, they lost it. Then they turn around and lost to Ole Miss on that classic, mm-hmm. and then they threw up an egg against Auburn. So right. certainly, uh, you know, they they not saying that means they're going to happen again, but uh, there's something to that where, you know, they've got to stay on edge because it, it yeah. is not going to be easy going into Mississippi State and getting that win. Absolutely. And, and again, we're talking optimism here. When I was talking Arkansas, I was looking at best-case scenario, and this wasn't a ball game because <laughs> if Arkansas does come off – Getting a victory off one of those two teams, I think they're in good good spirits and a good spot right. to to compete. But if for some reason they drop both of those, that's a tough place to go into with them cowbells ringing. How in the hell can you have him winning this game and winning that? <laughs> that's my favorite comment. We'll, we'll get I that know. tomorrow. You know what? <laughs> yeah, well, they just take ten seconds of the show. Just like God, this is why I don't listen. You know. <laughs> now here's another tricky one, Shane. This one's on the road at Kentucky. Yeah. Now, you beat Kentucky last year. I outplayed them big time. Mm-hmm. That was in Starkville, though, and there's so much hype with Kentucky. And, hell, we, we went on this show so Kentucky could win 10, 11 football games. They're, they're yeah. certainly capable. But I like Mississippi State to go on the road. I, this is a, Again, this is why you want the veteran team that's experienced all these games. Hell, they the, you know, this is a program, don't forget, winning and won at Texas mm-hmm. A&M, one of the toughest places in the country to win. They did it last year. Again, it's not going to be easy, but I think they could beat Kentucky on the road. Yeah, definitely not easy. But you know, this is this has the makings for a shootout. Yeah. And uh, you know, if I'm putting my chips in on a quarterback coach combo that I would want to win in a shootout, I'm going to take Mississippi State every time. Right. You know, the only real shot Kentucky has here, in my honest opinion is that that running game was discovered mm-hmm. and it's and it's back in in full force and they're able to slow down the tempo of Mississippi State and if that defense jails if that defense comes together and can force some three and outs yeah I, I see a shot that Kentucky wins this game and and I'm it, it's closer to a 50-50 in my in my opinion but I'm pretending that in my mind that this is a shootout <laughs> and give me Will Rogers and company now probably the one game I can't talk myself into Mississippi State winning, Shane. I <laughs> know. At Alabama, I mean, it. you could line up Alabama on any point in the schedule, but if you want to talk at the very end of this gauntlet, it just makes it all the more difficult for Mississippi State to go in there. Alabama's waxed you the last two yeah. years, and I'm not saying you'll get waxed in this game, but it's very, very unlikely likely Mississippi State escapes Alabama with a win. But, hell, crazier things have happened. Mm-hmm. Hey, maybe one day this will be a rivalry again, you know? I mean, I know they're not that far. It's kind of crazy, the geography of these two. But, yeah, this is a, this is a tough one for me because I, I just think, you know, one thing that we're that I base my, my optimistic odds on is mm-hmm. being well-prepared at the start of the season. But one of those teams that's always prepared is Nick Saban's Crimson Tide. So, it's 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 in Tuscaloosa. I just don't see optimistically a shot that that the Bulldogs have here. Yeah. Now they get two weeks to prepare for Auburn at home, 
Yeah, we got we to gotta take Mississippi State in that one, right? Oh, yeah. No, uh, this <laughs> definitely. I, I, I mean, it would take a lot for me to – I mean, I'd have to see a lot from Auburn to, mm-hmm. to, to be convinced that this is even a close game, really. I, I think this at this point, I, I think there's a good shot Mississippi State's a two, three touchdown favorite. You know, that's just where optimistically I find them. But, uh, man, it's it's – Auburn just has too many question marks. You know, it's it's tough to predict what they're going to do or what they can't do. You know what Mississippi State's bringing, you know. So, right. yeah, give me the Bulldogs here. Now, oh, God, I forgot about this one. <laughs> now, Georgia comes to town. Ta- I mean, there's always a West team yeah. every year that's like, my God, we got to face Georgia. But, unfortunately for Mississippi State, it's not, it's not yeah. Arkansas. Like, two years in a row, it's Mississippi State this year that's got to face the Georgia Bulldogs. On the bright side, you're getting them at home. You're getting those cowbells. Georgia is no player on that roster is, is used to that that damn sound ringing in their ears. So <laughs> maybe you catch them somehow napping here. I, I believe this would be right after the Tennessee game. So uh, maybe yeah. maybe there's a little factor there. But uh, again, I've said it and I've said it and I've said it. I think if you're catching Georgia, you want to get them early. Because yeah. I think by the end of the year, they're going to be a fine-tuned machine. So, again, this is one where I can't really find a, a way to talk myself into Mississippi State beating Georgia. Although, no. it, it, hell, who knows? Crazier things have happened, but I ain't predicting it. I always think about, like, when coaches see the schedule. Because mm-hmm. you always focus on, like, a year. And you may peek at what's going on next year. But there was a moment when the Pirate looked at that paper and he saw Georgia come – coming to town on November 12th, 2022. And I can only imagine a little bit of like, shit, you know, who, who, who picked this thing? So, yeah, this is a tough, tough spot. It, you would definitely love to have another East opponent this year mm-hmm. um, because, honestly, this Mississippi State Bulldogs, if if they were in the East, Mike, clear-cut number two favorite for me. No, mm-hmm. no, no ifs, ands, or buts. It'd be Georgia – then Mississippi State. That's how good I think this program will be. But they're just not good enough for the Bulldogs. So, unfortunately, I've got another loss here. And let's not forget, Shane, uh, before we move off from this game, it was the, the COVID year. Mississippi mm-hmm. State was down like 50 scholarship guys. They went into Athens. They could have quit like a lot of teams it did. Was close. It they was close. nearly knocked off Georgia. And the mm-hmm. only thing that saved Georgia was old JT Daniels came in there, threw for like 400 yards, saved the day. Again, I know that was a long time ago, but, you know, there, there's hope there for Mississippi State, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, next week, no hope for this other team. ETSU's <laughs> coming to town. I know they knocked off Vander, but this ain't Vanderbilt you're playing. This is Mississippi State. This is an, another pick-your-score type game. Yeah, I'm just glad this is the only East Tennessee school on their uh, <laughs> on their schedule this year. So, give me a victory here. Uh, this one's a great, great placement, too, uh, just because you're coming off that Georgia uh, defeat. Uh, you know, again, I, th- I still think it's going to be a tough-fought ball game, but but now you got a nice little tune-up here with ETSU. Kind of get your bearings straight before the greatest game is played next year. Yeah, and, and the fall, regular season's finale, of course, the Egg Bowl oh, yeah. at Ole Miss. Thanksgiving, you've lost to <laughs> Ole Miss two in a row. This is a game you got to get if you're Mississippi State every year. 
but especially after losing two in a row. And I think they yeah. get it done, Shane. I think they snap the streak. And I think Ole Miss will be a good football team. I'm not sitting here down on them. Yeah. I think they can win eight or nine football games. But I think Mississippi State's a better team this year. Oh, yeah. I do, too. And I've said it all off season. You know, I mean, they're more worried about that damn dog down there than they are <laughs> what is going to be back here at quarterback. So, I just I, – I think this is Mississippi State's year. The, they, they'll have the Egg Bowl victory. Maybe there'll be some rumors floating around, lanes going somewhere. I don't know. But optimistically, I think it's going to be a hell of a game regardless. This is always a good game, great games. Uh, my favorite – one of my favorite games, if not the favorite game, because it is during Thanksgiving and it's just like – it just goes. It's like it's 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 a side dish that belongs on that Thanksgiving feast. You know what I'm saying? Sweet yes. potato casserole and the egg bowl. So I'm all in on this one. It's going to be a great game. But I just think uh, Mississippi State's going to. I think they get the victory this year. And how crazy is it, Shane? I mean, we're, I think we're sitting here at nine and three, maybe ten and two. If, uh, you know, you know, a game goes a different way or two here from Mississippi State, they pull an upset on, on yeah. the schedule. But even if they do go nine and three, given who their those three losses potentially are to, we're talking a top 10 football team in the country. Yeah. But that's just the gauntlet of the SEC. You know it? Yeah, that's it, man. It is. A, it is. It, it's like Survivor, Survivor Island, you know, it's just. <laughs> You don't know who's going to win this thing or who's going to get voted off. It's <laughs> it's any given Saturday. And, and, you know, you look at some of these teams. We talked about, like, Mississippi State and Georgia, mm -hmm. you know. Right now, yeah, if you're a gambling man, you're saying there's no shot. Georgia's going to win that thing. But if you walk away from it, you know, late November and, you're, and they come up with a victory, you could easily say, well, yeah, I guess I could see something like that coming. It's just who comes in prepared. There's been a lot of these matchups, and and I just think this is the year that that the Bulldogs take that step forward and start getting that recognition that they are one of the the best teams in the West. You know, a lot of people love talking Alabama. They love talking LSU coming back and Arkansas getting there and. Texas A&M paying their – I mean, that's, it's like they steal all the storylines. But over there in Mississippi, there's a ball club that that is just as good as some of these others, and they're just not talked about near enough. And I, I think that's kind of the – you know, they didn't really come out with a, with a mission statement. It didn't feel like at media days. But, you know, when you talk to fans, they – they don't care. They're like, who cares? They're not talking about us. They'll be talking about us in November. Right. Yeah, I, I think this is – for whatever reason, people are sleeping on Mississippi State. You know, they typically do, but uh, even more so this season. You know, mm -hmm. I, I cannot believe they're not discussed more as a as a top 15 type team because they've got all the pieces to put together a, a special, special season there in Starkville. Absolutely. And if they – and if they're terrible, Mike, you better delete this pod. <laughs> if they drop that LSU game, I better – I'm going on here and logging on myself and getting rid, getting rid of all the evidence. <laughs> well, hey, buddy, we're pushing it uh, towards an hour here. You got anything before we hop off for the show? No, man. I, again, it's just good talking about – we only got a couple teams left. Uh, 
optimistically we've got georgia and alabama so i think we know how the ending of that will be and of course vandy that'll be a fun one so uh we still got three teams to get to but it's just it's it's fun man i mean think about it we spent half the show talking at real news actual news coach clippings it's coming out yep you know we're gonna we're gonna learn some some cool cool stuff along the way and we'll be sure to get it out to you so just make sure you're following everywhere. We've got a we got a YouTube channel. We put everything up there. If we got a coach clip, Mike doesn't mess around. He cuts it down, <laughs> puts it up there. Turn your notifications on. If your team's practicing and the coaches are set to talk, just put your notifications on because we'll let you know when we got those videos up. Yeah, no doubt. And tomorrow, Shane, Arkansas and Kentucky, they'll have their first media availabilities of the fall. So we're guaranteed to have some good stuff come out of those two with many 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 more to come football's just right around the yeah. corner you know what yeah my fun my, my favorite one today was like yep all you do is talk tennessee we're like well tennessee and missouri are the and vandy are the only ones <laughs> in camp so. <laughs> now everybody is so we'll we'll definitely include uh everybody as soon as we get anything for you yeah no doubt well shane i appreciate you as always i appreciate each and every one of you for continuing to check us out We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go dogs. <laughs> <laughs>